Hi, and welcome to Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, founder and CEO of Wealthy Woman Lawyer. Wealthy Woman Lawyer is a company that helps women law firm owners scale their law firm businesses from six to seven figures in gross annual revenue. We do that by sharing with you our nine-step framework for creating a profitable, sustainable, wealth-generating law firm, and by guiding you through the process every step of the way. Learn more by visiting www.wealthywomanlawyer.com, by following us on Instagram at Wealthy Woman Lawyer, or by joining our free Facebook group. Today, I want to introduce our new sponsor, No Bull Marketing. Over the last four years, No Bull Marketing has tracked more than 250 law firms and discovered 60 to 80% of new client calls were generated through Google My Business and Google Ads. Basically, you need to be on Google. Noble Marketing can help. I recommend them because they have an incredible guarantee. Your campaign will be profitable in three months or less, or they'll work for free up to an additional three months. If they fail after a total of six months, they'll refund your entire investment, including ad spend. If you could use more qualified leads, I encourage you to reach out to Ronnie Deaver at noblemarketing.co. Mention you heard about them here and Noble Marketing will waive your setup fee, instantly saving you up to $2,500 or more. And now let's get on with the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. I'm your host, Davina Frederick. And today I am super, super excited to have a fellow podcast lover, um, Danny Osment here with me. He is the owner of Emerald City Productions. He is a business strategist and consultant for entrepreneurs, professionals who want to start and uh, operate a podcast for their business. And he is a also a sought-after speaker, an online educator, and he's a consultant for major corporations and thought leaders. So some of his clients include Salesforce, LinkedIn, the John Maxwell team, Mike Kim, uh, and Ernie the Attorney, for those Ernie the Attorney fans out there. Uh, so welcome, Danny. It's great to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So one of the things I just want to ask you about real quick before we jump into some other things is the name of your company, Emerald City Productions. So Emerald City, for those Wizard of Oz fans, um, is that the connection for that type, for that name yeah. or was it, it something it, else? You're not a behind-the-scenes wizard? <laughs> no, no, no. It's not like that's a that's a unintended uh, benefit of the of the connection there. But it's really just based on my last name. Um, as we were thinking, I, I get questions all the time like, oh, are you in uh, are you based in Seattle? Are you based in I think Portland is also called the Emerald City or something like that. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm here in Orlando, <laughs> Florida and used to be in Nashville before that. But yeah, it's it's the name. It's the oh, it's, I thought you were the Wizard of Oz of podcasts with a name like Osmond. So <laughs> Uh, uh, so tell us uh, how, tell, give us a little bit of a quick story about your journey sure. to this type of business. Uh, yeah, I, so I always wanted to be a musician growing up. I loved music in middle school and high school. I was in band and chorus. I did all the music theater stuff. I went to college and got a music degree. Um, I even have, I went so far, I have a master's degree in conducting. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> so I thought I was going to be in a tuxedo on stage in front of orchestras and things like that for my entire career. And I, and I took that path. 
Uh, it's been about 10 years or so in the nonprofit arts world before I realized that I was probably going to be in my 50s or 60s before I got the really good gig uh, because the, the people that get those gigs and can work one job in the arts world, they hold on to those jobs until they're 70 years old, 80 years old, sitting on a stool because they can no longer stand up, that type of thing. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I was at that point where I was wondering what I was going to do. But then in 2008, uh, my daughter was born and she had some medical issues right away. Uh, so my wife and I realized pretty quickly that we needed a bit more flexibility. And I came up with the idea because I was working in nonprofits and didn't have really great benefits. Why don't I start a business? I can work from home. I can do something. So I started to brainstorm and I realized that, oh, I, I know how to record people. I've been a musician. I've been in bands. Uh, in college, I was in uh, acapella groups and we recorded ourselves in studios and things like that. So I knew a little bit. And I, was, and I realized that I could start a business doing that because there were people recording acapella groups, uh, traveling around the country or recording groups in their homes and things like that. So I started that. I started a recording studio out of my home and it grew moderately. It was paying the bills, things like that. And it grew to the point where we actually moved to Nashville and I built a recording studio in Nashville and we were there for four years. But during that time, I was starting to get frustrated with uh, working with musicians. I loved working in music, but projects would go on for a year and a half and budgeting is questionable, let's say that in, in the music world. Um, it's not a very business-minded world and people don't think in, in those terms. So I, I figured out that I needed to diversify. I needed to do something else um, in the recording space. And I was enjoying listening to podcasts. I was listening to some podcasts that were helping me with my business, they were helping me with my life, um, all those types of things. And I realized when I was listening to these podcasts that some of them didn't sound really good. <laughs> so I just started emailing some of those podcasters and saying, Hey, I love your podcast. It's changing my life. It's changing my business, but your sound really sucks. Um, please let me help you because it would just make the experience better for everybody. And so I started doing it for free. And then I started charging a little bit of money and then it was, Oh, Hey, can you do the show notes too? And Hey, can you do this? And over the last seven years, that has grown into an agency where we now have a team of 10. We've got 40 clients, um, like you mentioned, big corporations like Salesforce and you know small law firms with three people, uh, solo coaches, consultants, things like that, all types of different people. Um, and we help them get their podcast produced each week. I help people launch their podcasts, get everything together at the beginning. And then we help people keep people moving, help them stay accountable so that they don't. And I love before we started recording, they use use the term pod fade, which right. is something that happens in this industry. People want to do a podcast. They get started. They get 10 episodes in, 15 episodes in, and then it's it's hard. It takes time. It, you know, they they miss a week. They miss two weeks. They get behind. Life happens. Um, so we try to help people who know they need a podcast, who are committed to doing a podcast, avoid that pod fade by supporting them. Right, right. It, it is really interesting. I tell, share with our audience the same stats you shared with me about the number of 
podcasts out there and then the number that are actually active podcasts because I think that's kind of an interesting statistic. Oh sure. So let me let me frame it a little bit. The I talk about and and maybe I'm a little biased because this is my industry, this is my field. But I talk about podcasting as being really the most effective form of content marketing. Uh, if you have a business, if you have a law firm, you know that one of your significant portions of marketing is content marketing. You've got social media, you've got all these other things you can do. Um, you can you can buy ads on buses, you can do all those types of things that lawyers do. But in content marketing, you have that chance to let people know who you are and spend time with them. And I say that other than video, besides video and blogging, podcasting is the most effective form of content marketing because for one, you're spending a lot of time with the person listening to you. Um, what really happens, and if you listen to podcasts, you, you know this effect. After a few episodes, you kind of feel like you've got a friend there. With you. right. You're listening to a friend. You're Whether you're commuting 45 minutes or 15 minutes or you're running and working out, uh, you can listen to podcasts anywhere and you're spending time with these people. In fact, 93% of podcast listeners listen to more than half or all of every episode. So when the average podcast episode is 45 minutes or more on like a weekly show, that means that the podcast listener, your friend that trusts you is listening to you for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. When you take that amount of time, <clears throat> and you you realize that, okay, reading a blog takes five minutes, seven minutes. Uh, YouTube, they get on there and watch a video. Most likely, they're only watching two to three minutes of a seven-minute video. Podcast listeners are listening for a long time, okay? Right. And then you look at the total number of podcasts out there, and you say, wow, okay, podcast index, Spotify, they say there's four million podcasts, or Apple says there's 2.8 million in our directory, what you don't know, and you have to dig into the details and you have to dig into the download stats that that media hosts like Libsyn release, really, there's only about 350 to 400,000 podcasts that are active. That means they've released an episode in the last 30 days. They release episodes regularly. So you're only competing really against 400,000 podcasts. And compare that to blogs. There's like 7.5 million blogs. Or no, no, it's it's 750 million blogs. Sorry, I, I moved my decimal point. 750 million blogs out there that will pop up anytime you search something on Google if you hit the right thing. There's millions of YouTube channels, okay? But there's only 350 to 400,000 active podcasts and the listeners are spending more time with you. And that number has stayed consistent even over the last few years during the, the pandemic. So that's why I say, if you're wanting to connect with an audience, if you're wanting to build a trust, then a podcast is really your best place to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I particularly love about <clears throat> it, and I think is, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of podcasts. I listen to a lot of them. And what I like about it is I can be doing other things and listen to a podcast, unlike videos. I'm not a video person because I don't have the time to sit and binge on videos the way I can binge on podcast episodes. And uh, so there's that factor. And then the other factor for me is I think it's a huge difference when people can actually hear your voice and as opposed to, so I'm a professional writer and I've written a lot of blogs 
And I really shifted to podcasts because, and I was still, I still, you know, write a lot of content for things, but to me, the idea that somebody can listen and they can hear my voice, that is a little bit, that's how human beings connect is Mm -hmm. by seeing human faces and hear your voice. So this podcast, you can see videos of me on on a channel, but if you're like me and you don't have time to sit and watch videos, you can also listen to it on the go, which is Mm -hmm. the wonderful thing. And, and that does, that does for me, I know the podcast I listen to Mm-hmm. The ones that I favor, it is because I I enjoy the style of the host and the way that they yeah. converse with people and sometimes how it's produced, you know, makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I want to talk to you about sound quality, because mm-hmm. I know this is a big thing for you since you're a musician and I am hearing impaired. So for me, I don't. I I probably don't have the keenest sense of sound quality that a lot of other people do, Mm -hmm. but I will say that uh, because of my hearing, I guess I have certain tones that great and, and the, and there are, I love audible and there are books that I have bought and not listened to because the narrator is so terrible and the, the, the sound is just, you know, like Mm -hmm. grates on you and gets on your nerves or something. Are there certain things that if people want to start a podcast and um, have a successful podcast and they want to sound good, what what are some of the sort of tips or ideas that you could give people about, especially if they're just starting out and they're kind of doing it on their own and haven't hired a production company, what are some things they can do to sort of improve the sound? Definitely. Um, And I love that you, you talked about how this is, um, this is the way that humans communicate and it, it's a primal thing for us. Mm-hmm. The, the reason that you can connect with a podcast is the listening since we were in caves, you know, sitting around fires, this is how we shared stories and communicated and, and passed things down. Um, sound quality is a big deal. Uh, it, it's, it really, there is no excuse at this point for having bad sound quality. And when I say bad sound quality, I mean things like, it sounds like you recorded with the built-in microphone on your computer and you were four feet away from it and there was a lot of noise in the background. <clears throat> there really is no excuse because even if you plug in a set of earbuds um, that came with your iPhone or speak into the iPhone microphone recording on voice notes, something like that, you're going to get better sound quality than that. Um, And you're going to get usable sound quality. So I like to think of it as, you know, if you went to your favorite restaurant, you would expect them to serve edible food. Okay. To to exist as a restaurant, if that's their job, they have to serve food that you can actually eat. When you provide bad sound quality, that's essentially what you're doing with a podcast. If the only thing people are there to do is listen to your voice and it's bad and it's annoying and there's noise or there's frequencies that hurt their ears. And and what you said is actually true. There are, for instance, the frequency of, of S is a frequency that we actually have a tool to remove. It's called a de-esser because that frequency causes headaches if it's too loud. Wow. So there, you can actually hurt people's ears and give them pain if you provide bad sound quality. <laughs> <clears throat> now, it's it's not hard to get good sound quality because literally, 
I mean, I see, I think you have, do you have a blue Yeti there? Or is that something I else? do? I do. Okay. So you're using your blue Yeti correctly. There's some people that misuse blue Yetis. We don't tend to rec- recommend those because you can mess up using those. Um, the microphone that I love is called the Audio Technica ATR 2100X. I would say that probably 65% to 70% of podcasts you listen to that sound good are using that microphone. It's just like the Yeti. It's a less than $100 USB microphone. You can plug it directly into your computer. So there's mm-hmm. no excuses because that that's the microphone I'm on here. I have it plugged directly into my computer. And I like this microphone because in many different rooms, whether you have carpet on the floor, whether you have reflective ceilings, high ceilings, things like this, this microphone sounds pretty good because it tends to sound good on all types of voices. It also tends to only pick up sounds that are within two to three feet of it. So microphones have this tendency, especially this type of microphone is called a dynamic microphone of focusing in on the sound that is most closely to it. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, And so I recommend that. And when you do that, you've got this microphone plugged directly into your computer with a USB. You spent less than $100. You're going to have pretty good sound. You can record on QuickTime. You can record on Microsoft Windows Voice Recorder that's built in. Um, Like I said, you can even take your earbuds and plug them into your iPhone and record. And then you're going to have noise cancellation. You're going to have a microphone that's going to sound better than the built-in microphone on your computer. There's really no excuse. Um, if you have the ability to watch some YouTube videos, if you have the ability to like, I'm a LinkedIn learning instructor and have a course on how to produce a podcast, how to record a podcast, there's information out there that shows you how to use free tools to remove noise. Mm -hmm. There's information, free information out there that shows you how to DS your recording. There are websites. Um, there's a website called Ophonic, A-U-P-H-O-N-I-C.com, that if you upload your MP3 that you recorded, it will process it and remove noise, balance levels, make it a little louder so that people don't have to turn the volume up and down as you're moving away, forward and back away right, from the microphone, right, right. things like that. If you're, if you're one of those talkers that moves a lot. <laughs> Um, there are tools out there <laughs> and really uh, that's all you have to do to get good sound now is just yeah, it's, it's learn about the tools or get help. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you say that because, uh, so I had a, a, a spate of episodes <clears throat> where I didn't realize that the sound, my sound quality wasn't as good as my guest. And what it was is I, I was <laughs> using a tool that, uh, drowns out sound in the uh, background. Cause I have a, an English bulldog loves to bark at inopportune times. And uh, it worked great for a while. And then they ran an upgrade on it. And when they did that, something happened to it and it wasn't working as well. And I didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I think was that I move around when I, when I speak, I move, I'm talking with my hands, I'm moving around. And when I would move a little bit back from the microphone, I would, it would drop out. My voice made it a lot lower than so I switched to something else and that seems to solve the problem. And also I'm a little bit more careful now, making sure that yeah. I'm still speaking right into the microphone. Uh, I also have this uh, kind of acoustic panel that is right near me that sort of helps with the sound mm-hmm. to sort of capture it. Um, but 
you know, those things you learn over over time and the long yeah. haul and feedback and stuff like that. We um, actually have a pre-recording checklist that we give to our clients that we say, print this out and put it right in front of you so that every time, you know, even if you're using Zoom, like we are to record this interview, every time you turn it on, you're checking to make sure that the correct microphone is selected. You're checking to make sure that there's actually a good level because you can do that in Zoom. You can test those things. Um, and and that way you you avoid the 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 common problems because Zoom updated last week and it reset all your settings. Well, you need to go in and check your settings. You need to make sure that it's going to record correctly. Um, thankfully, the last couple of years of doing lots of meetings online has allowed more people to learn what they need to do and how to improve their situation. So honestly, podcast recordings have gotten a lot better over the last couple of years, just because people are more adept at <laughs> using these tools. Now. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and I do think it's really kind of interesting because one of the things my husband always said, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So I'm always like, I don't like it when things go wrong. And, and he's, and he listens to a lot of these sort of larger audience podcasts. And he says, you know, you, it's amazing all the different little things that go on because people are recording out of their home a lot. And even some of the big names. And he says, you'll hear dogs barking in the background or stuff, hap you know, kids or whatever. Um, so I do think there is a certain level of that that actually makes people feel they like they know you even more because it makes you more human and relatable, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so let's move away from kind of the technical aspect of the podcast. I would love to include links for that microphone. And then what you said, um, after that, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get those links, include them in the show notes for people. Um, but I want to move away from the technical aspect and I want to talk specifically about show top, like the purpose of a podcast. So you and I were talking before where, a lot of people think I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to make a lot of money on it because I'm going to get sponsors. And my podcast is set up for a different purpose. You have a lot of conversations with your clients about the, uh, about a business purpose for the podcast. And let's talk about kind of the differences between the two. Sure. Um, well, I, I know our audience is, is law firms and, and lawyers uh, I like to think of it as the the best outcome of a podcast, especially if you're a business, is to create trust, to create a connection of some type, to create a relationship. And in a, we have several clients who are law firms, like like you mentioned, Ernie uh, Svensson. Ernie, the attorney, is one of our clients. And what I realized early on for let's call them busy professionals. So lawyers, accountants, therapists, we have lots of therapists as well. Their one really only way of getting clients has been marketing, whether it's Google My Business, whether it's their website, whether it's referral marketing is a very strong thing. And that's a lot of referral marketing is based on trust, right? And what if you could do this thing where you had a thousand people listening each week that consider you a friend and you could refer your own business to your friends. Well, that's what a podcast is. And then for lawyers and law firms, I mean, I, I think, you know, I have a business and I have a house and I have a family. Okay. The only times I've ever had to call a lawyer or use a lawyer was something big was happening. 
something scary is happening. I'm in trouble. Something has gone wrong. The IRS has sent me this letter. I don't understand what it means. All these types of things, whatever the type of lawyer it is that I found my course on somebody else's site online. They've stolen my intellectual property. I need to contact someone. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to call a friend because I trust a friend and I'm going to see if they've got any lawyers that they recommend. So what if you were a lawyer that could establish that trust beforehand? Um, and so that that's why, you know, I when I talk about podcasts, I talk about as a business creating a podcast that connects with connects with your ideal listener, whoever you're trying to reach out to. Um, I'll use an example recently. It's not with a lawyer. Uh, we were in Orlando, Florida, so we put solar panels on our house and <clears throat> Florida has a law. It's great. Like HOAs can't deny you having solar panels. So it's really cool. Well, what was the first thing I did? I went to Google my business to start looking at, okay, who are the solar companies? Because there's a million of them in Florida that have good reviews. Okay, here's three or four that have really good view reviews. Let me go to their websites. Okay, okay, I see this. This looks good. Let me contact these three and I'll meet with these three and connect with them. And oh, okay, and I'm going to choose this one because this felt like the best uh, relationship. Well, when I had that person that owned this solar company came out and he did the work and met with me and all that sort of stuff, I said to him, I was like, hey, I noticed on your site, you don't have a blog or a podcast. I'm like if you'd had a podcast with even five episodes, I would have listened to one or two and I would have gotten to know you and it would have been an easy selection because I would have already heard you talk about what you guys do and why you do it and what people should know and, and try to educate people. So that's why when I talk to businesses like law firms, um, accountants, therapists, I talk about it in terms of if you're starting a podcast, it really needs to be about that ideal listener. It needs to be about building a relationship with that ideal listener because this is your opportunity to do referral marketing on a grand scale and, and create those connections yourself. Because really, and we talked earlier on, a lot of people, they, they want to start a podcast because, oh, you know, I want to talk about this interesting thing or this problem that I've seen. Uh, and I want to interview all these interesting people about it. But there's already a lot of podcasts out there, even though there's 400,000 that are active, that, that listeners are already listening to that cover certain topics. And with a podcast listener, what generally happens is they find some shows that they like and they stick with those shows. So if they're going to listen to a new show, it has to be something that hits differently or covers something different than things they're already listening to. Um, so again, let's let's talk about law firms. Uh, that might be, let's say you're you know a law firm that covers a certain area of law. Like we have a client who's an immigration lawyer, and she specifically is doing a show about immigration law, but she niched it down. She focused down into one industry and that was tech startups because she's in Silicon Valley. And so she wanted to talk to tech startups to help them deal with immigration issues for the workers that they need, the employees that they need, the coders that mm -hmm. they need, the developers that they need that were in short supply in Silicon Valley because they, you know, so China, India, all, Australia, all these places where they might want to bring people in. Um, so it was that little extra level that has led to great success for her show because she focused it down there. Um, I imagine I had, great success for her business 
yeah. as well, which is really what we're talking like. So Definitely. a podcast like mine, a podcast like that, a podcast for any lawyer who's wanting to talk about their area of law is really the purpose of the podcast then mm-hmm. for you is to develop your network, develop your connections and get more, get more visible right. with people who might benefit from using your services. Yes. So because a lot of people start a podcast, I recently spoke with a colleague who started a podcast and she started it with the intention of it being a business right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so she, before she even had any content, she was getting sponsors before, you know, beforehand, because she had a business model in mind for that podcast. But most of the podcasts that you see that are started by business people, like you, like you said, the, the entrepreneurs and the service mm-hmm. providers are they're doing it because what they're wanting to do is create more content, but more powerful content right. than right. A, a blog that might get skimmed. And, and people don't, mm-hmm. you know, when's the last time when you saw a blog, when's the last time you looked at who wrote the blog? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, that, and it, it's really, it's really about ha- finding a way, especially over the last couple of years, like w- we saw huge growth in 2020. Uh, just like, how can I get in front of people? because I can't get in front of people anymore. How could I meet with 500 new clients a week instead of the the 10 that I can schedule to come into the office during certain periods of time? That's where it gets into is the let's build the this network of listeners, ideal clients, client leads, whatever that I can't do in person, face to face. Right. I have a I have a client who, uh, since we've been working together, one of our mm-hmm. one of the uh, tools that we used to market her business was to get her to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. And she's in a very specialized. She's in family law, okay. in Texas, and her. She's had several cases before the Texas Supreme Court. And so she really wanted to connect with other family law attorneys, other judges, other people out in that area. And it has been a tremendous source of referrals for her now because she's inviting people onto her podcast who didn't know about her before. And she recently attended a conference and she says, used to when I attend this conference, nobody knew me. Now I show up and everybody comes up and they go, oh, you're so-and-so, this is your podcast, blah, blah, blah. And she's writing a book and they're all eager to get a copy of her book. So it really creates what I call internet famous, right? You know, it, it helps to, it helps to yeah. you know, get more people to know you. So mm-hmm. the goal when people say, I want to have a podcast that makes money. Hey, sorry to interrupt. We'll be back to my conversation with Danny in just a few seconds. In case you are not on my email list or following me on social media, I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my five-day hiring challenge for million-dollar law firms that I'm hosting live next week from November 7th through November 11th from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern time. I'll be walking you through each of the five steps in my five-step hiring blueprint for million-dollar law firms. If you know you need to hire either more staff or attorneys, maybe even your first attorney, then this is an event you won't want to miss because I'm going to teach you exactly how to do it easily and effectively. And once your hiring system is set up, you'll never need to start from scratch again the next time you need to hire. So click on the link in the show notes for more details and to register. I hope to see you then and there. And now back to our show. The goal really for most business people 
in the way that we make money through a podcast is by getting those clients that are ideal clients that we really would right. like to have to serve and to help yeah. because they we build that trust that no like trust factor mm-hmm. before exactly. they ever even meet us in person which makes that, the sale easier right and that that's primary and and if you want to you know up level your skill once you have the podcast <clears throat> yeah you're you're wanting to generate leads but the 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 people that we've seen monetize their podcasts uh in this service provider world they they find a way to serve their entire value ladder um that's a term that gets used a lot in marketing is that okay yes there's going to be the clients that can hire you and pay the hourly rate or the flat fee or whatever but then there might be the clients that just need a little bit of advice and I know it's like in in investment advice, in law, in therapy, there's there's compliance issues and there's things that you have to right. follow. But, you know, if you're a lawyer and you could create a checklist that people could download for free and you mention it on your podcast and that gets them on your email list so you can communicate with them more regularly, that maybe leads to, hey, if there's a basic course that you could do in real estate law that shows people how to do this thing that you guys do all the time that really doesn't require a lawyer. They could, you know, get some help, but you charge a hundred dollars for that course or $50 for that course. That's a revenue stream that lives on the podcast. I I mean, I have a a client, he is a, a business strategist, branding strategist, and he is six years into his podcast now, seven years. And he has a product. It's a business proposal template that he talked about in episode 47, I think, if I remember correctly, of his podcast, that it was this template here, fill this out. This is how I, you know, write proposals to land these clients and all that sort of stuff. It was like a two page PDF, sold it for $50. He still makes $500 a month off of that template. He's, wow. he's made something like $40,000 over six years off this PDF that he put on a thing and has never touched since because people go back through his podcast. So when you're thinking about monetizing, there's all those little ways that you can get a little bit here and you can help the people that are never going to hire you. You can provide them tools. You could, you know, you could do a two day workshop on this thing where you could teach people how to do it and you could charge a little more. Um, then, and and the people that often that go through those things that start listening to the podcast and then they download the free thing and then they buy that course and then they attend that two-day workshop, well, three years down the road, they're hiring you for right, this because right, right. now they're a real estate investor and they need a lawyer that's a go-to person and now you're on retainer. You know, it, it's things like that, that it that long-term investment of podcasting can create this funnel, really is what it is, this marketing funnel of people for your business. Right, right, right. I was going to just check here and um, I want to talk about what what it takes to start a podcast. I do think that a lot of people sort of underestimate the amount of work it takes yeah. to produce yeah. a podcast. So, uh, you know, we often think, well, I could just, I'll just record it and I'll upload right. it and we're done, <laughs> right? And they don't think about all the different pieces and parts that go into producing a podcast. Right. So you want to talk about that a little bit sure. more? So people kind of yeah. 
let's, let's well, I mean, on. I mean, that's why Emerald City Productions exists <laughs> because <laughs> people get into it or they have seen somebody else do a podcast and they know like, oh, my God, that person was spending four hours a week on their 30 minute podcast. Um, because when you meet with a strategist like us, uh, you meet with someone like me who's going to help you launch your podcast, you get information along the lines of, you know, yes, you probably, if you want an effective podcast that's going to grow, it needs to be a weekly show. So you have to think about, okay, can I do 15 minutes a week? Could I do 30 minutes a week? Could I do 45 minutes a week? Okay, I've, I can do that recording, but then if I want to edit it, I either have to learn how to edit, like use a tool, and there's lots of easy tools out there. Now, you, you know, you're not loading up pro tools and like I am and editing things and waveforms and stuff like that. There's tools out there called like a Descript, where it is a digital audio workstation. It's, it's software, but when you record into it, it immediately transcribes it and you can actually edit the transcript. So it's like you're editing a document and you're editing your audio and you can learn those tools. But that 30 minute episode might then take you an hour, hour and a half, two hours to edit. If you start to obsess over your own voice and every time you say, um, you're going to be spending three hours. Uh, that's why, like on my team, my editors that do this every week and multiple shows a week, a 30 minute show takes them maybe even 15 minutes sometimes to edit because they've got tricks and they can listen to it faster and they can do all these things. So you've got that. And then you've got to think about, OK, uh, I've show got to notes. post it publish it and schedule it each week. And I've got to write show notes and I've got to make sure I list all of the resources that I, I mentioned. Um, and even in the setup part, one of the things that we do a lot, we've actually got seven clients right now launching is we take them through that whole process at the beginning of, okay, what is your idea? who are you trying to reach? Let's do some research to see what's out there and, and what the title of the podcast should be to reach those people. Uh, SEO wise, like we've got to, just like in websites, podcast search engines and apps and directories have SEO. So you got to know how Apple works, who's the, the big dog in the market. Uh, how does Spotify work? How do we get the right title to hit the right market to make sure people can actually find this? Uh, and then we got to describe it and then we've got to create a trailer episode and we've got to create your artwork and we've got to create, um, your RSS feed. We've got to set up a media host account. What categories should you be in? Uh, how, how do we optimize that? How do we connect you to all the podcast directories? There's a lot of steps that go into just the nuts and bolts of making sure people can listen to your podcast. One of the benefits of podcasts is that it uses an RSS feed. So that means that like, Facebook can't shut you down. YouTube can't completely shut you down and then you disappear from your audience. You can be in a lot of places with a podcast, but it's an older system. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, we've been podcasting since 2004. We're coming up on 20 years. Uh, so wow. <laughs> it's an old system and there's benefits in that, but there's also, you got to know how things change and how things are happening right now. What changes has Apple made recently uh, that we need to update? So we like to go through that whole process. And then we also uh, work with our clients on what should your early uh, content be? Because like I mentioned before, with that episode from uh, the business proposal template selling seven years on, podcast listeners like to 
discover you later on. They, they may be listening to episode 200 or episode 40, and then they go back to episode one. So how do we establish a relationship right away? And we talk a lot about that content and what that should be. So these are all things that you've got to think about. And then, okay, I, I want to launch. I want to put this podcast out there, but I, I don't want crickets. I want an audience. So what do I do? Um, so we often spend a lot of time in launch strategy of how to borrow audiences, how to use your current audience, whether you've got an email list, whether you've got some social media following, how best to get those people turned on to your podcast, because that's going to be the place that your your core audience lives, right? The people that are spending the most time with you, your, your loyal audience. Um, and through that process, you know, I'll, I'll use an example from a lawyer that we worked with a solo personal injury attorney uh, down in Louisiana, really small community, maybe like 10,000 people in this town. Okay. Um, he wanted to do a podcast. He, he was actually part of one of Ernie's groups and we had met through that. It's like, I want to start a podcast, but there's only 10,000 people in my town. I'm pretty much the only personal injury attorney here. Um, so people know if they need a personal injury attorney, they know who to go to, but I want to make sure people hear about me. Uh, and so we talked and we and we came up with the idea in that strategy process of, well, maybe the best way for you to use your time is for you to become the digital mayor of the town. Uh, you've lived there all your life. You know about the town. People know you. They know your family. You, you want to grow because he was talking about how it was a transient community. There's a lot of um, a bedroom community, not transient community, bedroom community for New Orleans and Baton Rouge. And so there were a lot of new people there that didn't know about him, didn't know about his business, didn't know about the town. So he started a podcast as a lawyer sponsored by his law firm that talked about the town and the events and interviewed the principal of the high school and interviewed a former football player that had gone on to LSU and stuff like that. And that podcast gave him the opportunity to build a relationship with people in the town that never knew he existed so much so that like he created a Facebook page for the podcast in a town of 10,000. He had a thousand people on that Facebook page <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's absurd. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. 10% of the population of the town. Y you would be lucky to get like 2% of your email right. list for most people to listen to your podcast. He's dominated the area because he decided to focus on the region instead of doing a podcast about law. So that's yeah, the I type that's of process a, as you get started up that you need to think about like all these variables uh, that that are possible with a podcast when you're getting started. Yeah, I think that's a really wonderful sort of idea and thought for people because I, I know that a, a lot of attorneys, you know, who thought I would love to do a podcast, but nobody wants to hear about X. Like, what am I going to, yeah. you know, or people don't, people don't hire me until something happens. There's a triggering event. And so, you know, I'm ha having to hit a broad swath and, and personal injury is a great example of that. You, when you're, when you're trying to identify an ideal client, mm -hmm. uh, you're, it's not a demographic. It is a, someone's been injured in a right. car accident, right? So, mm -hmm. or some other type of accident and that's a triggering event. So to, yeah. to sort of tailor that to a specific audience would be a little difficult to do, but the idea of, you know, just focusing on your region and being, like you said, the, the digital mayor, that's a great idea. Um, and I yeah. think that's probably one of the things that trips a lot of 
attorneys up when they're thinking about a podcast. They may love podcasts and listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, oftentimes what I, what I see are people who kind of try to do, um, you know, something similar to what's already out there, but kind of put like a little bit of their own spin on it. So they'll take, um, one one of the things that I like to tell lawyers specifically about the benefits of podcasting, um, partly because a lot of lawyers are used to dictating, right? So they're used to speaking lawyers, lawyers need to speak. They're used to dictating. <laughs> One it, of the things that we do with a podcast, knowing all the marketing that is out there nowadays, like you've got to have a social media presence. You've got to have a blog. You've got to have an email list. You've got to send this out. You've got to have some uh, different types of, of just regular advertising out there. When you create a podcast, we've talked about the average length. We've talked about even if you did 10 minutes, even if you did 15 minutes, that is a piece of content that is really long. And whether it's your paralegal, whether it's a virtual assistant, it's pretty easy to take 15 minutes, thousands of words, and find two or three really good quotes that you could turn into social media posts. And I I often tell our clients, hey, record your podcast live. Just go live on Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. So you record some video, you go live, you have the opportunity if people happen to show up and ask a question, you can answer the question. You can then take that audio and turn it into a podcast. You've got video that now on Instagram, TikTok, whatever, like really these things matter. You could clip a minute long video and put up an Instagram reel, which is what Instagram is really pushing. You could put up that video on LinkedIn as well. You could put up that video on TikTok and TikTok's algorithm will go to work and you might get something that you mentioned put up there and then people who are sitting on their phone looking at TikTok while they're at the hospital after they just got run into might see your video. Like it's all these types of things. So you've got social media posts. You've got, um, we, we take our, podcast episodes and we have copywriters that we actually um, provide as part of our services where they take the episode and they turn the episode into a blog post. So different than the show notes, there's a blog article that now goes on your website. And so you've got new blog posts every week and that's helping your SEO on your site and your show notes are going up with media players and that's helping your site's availability and prominence and search Mm -hmm. results on Google or whatever. There's all ways that you could take this one piece of content where you just sat down for 15 minutes and talked. And now other people or even people on your own team can quickly take a transcript and generate some social media, can generate yeah. other things. So that, that's why I like it is like it, if you're thinking about your marketing in general, besides the fact that you need to have the content marketing to build trust, you can take your content that you create and, and turn it. it into a lot of other things. Yeah. Yeah. We, we yeah. do that with this. We repurpose, you know, and create reels mm-hmm. and things like that out of it to, yeah. to pull people in. And part of it is to pull people into listening to the podcast. Cause I want them, what I'm sharing on this podcast is stuff that I think will help them. And I yeah. think if you're creating, if you're creating a podcast with that in mind, that I am trying to help people, and you keep that at the forefront. This is about servicing an audience and really providing something that's beneficial and useful to them. And if you do that and you approach it sincerely, I, I do think it, you know, it works to your benefit. 
I want to make sure that people don't feel overwhelmed uh, by everything. I know that you can start a podcast organically you can and grow it organically. You can start with you in your basement with your mm-hmm. microphone and <laughs> and some of the, you know so many tech tools and automation out there to, to get started. Um, as you grow, it's just like with your law firm business. As you grow, you're making you know you're becoming more and more successful. Then you get to a point where you can invest in other people to help grow your team. So don't let this conversation intimidate you if you feel like, oh my gosh, I have to go hire this whole production team. It's a whole lot harder than I thought. Most people who start podcasts start out with them, a microphone and, you know, some, some tenacity and, and you learn as you go along and it gets bigger and better. And then you can afford to hire uh, a production team like Emerald City Productions. And um, so do keep that in mind if you're thinking about it. If you already have a podcast, and you're realizing that you might start fading because you're running out of steam. The reason why is probably not the recordings and the conversation. The reason why is all the production aspect that yeah. goes into it. And definitely the professionals support, yeah. make a huge difference in production. It's not something you need to develop a whole career, second, third, fourth career around when you could hire people who already right. have that knowledge. So Danny, tell us how we can get in touch with you if we want to talk with you more or mm-hmm. get some of these tools that you've talked about. I know you mentioned a production checklist. Tell yeah. us uh, how we can do all that. The best way for most people listening to this to find me would be to go to emeraldcitypro.com. Uh, if you go there, there not only is there a lot of information about the different things that happen in the podcasting process, uh, what you should know about those. We answer a lot of questions. Pretty much every page is written like a blog or a FAQ where they can get common questions answered. But there's also a lot of buttons on that site. Literally all the calls, calls to action are schedule a call with me. And if you do that, you're going to get a... We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. If you have, we invite you to leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. The more five-star reviews we have, the more women law firm owners will be able to positively impact. Your thoughts and opinions are so important to us. If you are a woman law firm owner who wants to scale your law firm to a million dollars or more in gross annual revenue and do it in a way that's sustainable and feels good to you, then we invite you to join us in the Wealthy Woman Lawyer League. The League is a community of highly intelligent, goal-oriented, and driven women law firm owners who are excited to support one another on their journeys to becoming wealthy women lawyers. We'll be sharing so much in the league in the coming year, including the exclusive million dollar law firm framework that until now I've only shared with my private one-to-one clients. For more information and to join us, go now to www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash league. That's www.wealthywomanlawyer.com League is spelled L-E-A-G-U-E. We look forward to seeing you soon in the league.